Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I was near uh, Bakersfield, Texas. Bakersfield, Texas is, is kind of a mesa country with lots of mesquite and lots of cedar and lots of sheep. None of the three you really want to be around. And um, we were gathering sheep, and, and, and right through the middle of this big pasture was this huge, huge, uh, I don't really want to call it a, a, it was like a draw, okay? But I mean, it, it was about, I don't know, about 10 or 12 foot deep. It was all through dirt, and so dirt, I mean, one time I, I thought I could find a place to get down because I had to, I was on the outside, so I had to, you know, cross this thing, and I thought I had got up close, and, and the ground gave way, and me and my horse nearly fell like eight feet, and I mean, it's just treacherous, uh, treacherous type of, of country, and um, anyway, so I, I made it down into the draw, but then I couldn't find a way out, and, and I'm not saying that I went for miles or anything, but you're looking, and finally I found a place, and I'm on the outside, so I've got to go faster than everybody, and finally I found a space that would go through and I had to get off my horse and lead my horse and I thought he could make it and there was a branch coming out and he was hitting the saddle horn on a branch and so I got down there and I kind of pulled on the bridle and I actually got that horse to kind of lean down and go under so I, I'm just preparing you this is brushy 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 and we're and we're gathering sheep out of it and sure enough I, I didn't get very far out of that draw and now and now I'm on on, on the the back side of this pasture and I come across nearly all the sheep in the pasture. They're all together. And so I start going. And, and if you would like to know how to work sheep, um, just go try to gather the birds out of your yard. Okay, that, that's about how easy gathering sheep is. And so anyway, I, I start pushing these the sheep. And you know, it's kind of a, a controlled runaway and everything like that. And so anyway, I'm pushing them. And I'm like, man, I'm cowboy. You know, I'm good. And all of a sudden, I hear something in my my horse's ears come up. Well, nobody told me that there was a stud horse and some brood mares in this pasture. But luckily, the stud horse was very considerate, and he went around the sheep. Yeah, whatever. He made a beeline for me and my horses. And, and you know what? We, we can, I, what I'm fixing to say can be taken as funny, but that's, that's kind of a dangerous situation. When you're on a strange horse in a pasture and there's a stud horse with a bunch of mares, I mean, th there have been people that have been hurt and hurt bad. And so, man, my horse starts backing up. Even he can sense that, you know, how dangerous this situation is. And that stud horse and those mares, they come right through the middle of the sheep. Half the sheep go this way out into the brush. The other half are, are diving off back towards this draw that they can get through, but I can't. And now... I'm nervous if I'm going to get bucked off or stomped or pawed because, I mean, this thing, he's got his ears up. And, I mean, he's bowed up looking for a fight. And so anyway, I, I'm kind of backing my horse, and I'm trying to kind of keep everything in front of me, and I've got my, I, I start slowly taking my rope off because I, I'm going to, I have to defend myself somehow because, you know, this isn't probably going to do any good. Get away! Get away! That, that's not going to work very well, okay? So I'm taking down my rope, and, and I'm pulling that loop down where I just have the, the Honda and the end of it. And so I start backing up, and, and I'm kind of got things under control, but the longer we go, he's not backing off, and I'm nearly at the fence, and there's something else. There's an added 
like strangeness to this situation because we're right on I-10 outside of Bakersfield, Texas, and there's a rest stop right there, and there's about five families sitting there watching what's going on. Now, I don't really care about them because I'm just concentrating on this horse, and finally this, this stud boy, he gets too close, and I mean a whop. Man, I did. I nailed him right between the eyes. He laughed. And I was like, oh, crud. And I mean, he rears up. My pull, I was riding Nanner Pudding. He's a Palomino horse. I was riding Nanner Pudding. I pulled Nanner over his side, and I, wah, I missed this time. And about the third time I smacked this horse, I hear, we're going to call the cops on you. <laughs> so I turned my horse's butt, and whack, I hit them. No, I didn't hit them. If I could have reached, if I'd have had a 60-foot rope, I'd have hit them. <laughs> Shut up. I'm fighting for my life out here. You're being mean to that horse. That horse is trying to kill me. Oh, my gosh. So finally, I, I, I seriously, I landed probably four or five uh, hits on him, only one or maybe even two good ones. And anyway, finally, he kind of prances off, and we go back after the sheep. I still got one, uh, one group of sheep are over here. And for the next 40 minutes, I didn't do anything except try to get those two groups of sheep together. They're only like a quarter of a mile apart. You can't see them from each other, but I know where they're at. And I'd go over there and I'd push these forward. And then I'd run over there and get between this one and the draw and push them this way. And they would go that way. And then I'd look over there and you'd see these that started to go back where I'd already gathered. So I'd run Nanner over there and start pushing them back where they'd go. And then I'd look over and these were going. I was so frustrated. It was like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Today we're going to talk about the great divide. Because unfortunately, that same situation happens in our churches. Okay? Now, I, I want to be clear on one thing. With everything that I'm going to talk about today, it's going to be kind of hard. And there's going to be. I, I, I'm not prophesying. I'm just telling you the truth. There are going to be some things today that you go, well, I don't believe that. I don't really care if you believe it or not because this is what God says. And I'll show you that this is what God says. But anyway, just keep an open mind, number one. Number two, keep this in mind. We're talking about people that have professed their faith in Jesus Christ, okay? We're not talking about your neighbor over here that, that is, is out doing things that are contrary to God's word or anything like that. We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. We're talking about family. We're talking about those that have professed their faith and have given their lives to him, okay? That's the people that we're talking about. Um, dealing with Division in the church. Now, what are some things that cause division in churches? What are some of the things that just splits the sheep fold in half? Where half of them go this way, and, and when they go this way, they start going back to where they've already been. Or these are, are, are coming over here to this side, and they're diving off into this draw where nobody can find them. What are some of the things that causes a division in the church. And I'm not talking about this line here at Save the Cowboy. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about the church that Jesus died for. I am not talking about the First Baptist Church of Big Lake, Texas. I'm not talking about Save the Cowboy in Kiowa. I am talking about the church. 
The first thing that causes division in the church is denominational pedigrees. There are people that live and die by denominations. And most of the time, those people don't even know the denominational like uh, theology. They're just Baptist because their grandmothers were Baptist and their great-grandmothers were Baptist. And if you're not Baptist, you're less. Now, I'm, not, I, I'm saying Baptist because that's, that's what I was raised in. And I have nothing against Baptists. But denominations split people. You, I mean, how many times you have, well, I go to this church. Well, I go to that church. We're all a part of the same church. We do not need denominational pedigrees. Now, I'm not criticizing denominations because they are like radio stations. I guarantee you my radio station in my truck is probably different than the radio station in your truck. Some people need what certain denominations, you know, uh, what they stand for. Some of these denominations out there, they're really strict and they're like, you gotta do it this way, you gotta do it that way. I'm not criticizing them, you know why? Because some people need a real, real strict um, leadership, if you will, or, or routine, or else, you know, if you give them a little bit of rope, they're gonna hang themselves, okay? Some of them are really strict like that. If you're not one of those, don't go to one of those churches. But that doesn't mean just because you don't agree with it that you can talk crap about it, okay? There will never be unity in our churches until there's unity among our churches. And Jesus died for the Lutherans, the Baptists, the Methodists. He died for all of us. And we need to quit using these denominational pedigrees to, to elevate one group of people over a next, we are all a part of the same team. Some of us are on offense. Some of us are on defense. Some of us are on special teams. I mean, we just need to learn to stick together because it's our differences. The, the Bible says that the body of Christ, you know, my, my wife says that she's the big toe in the body of Christ. She brings balance. And I would agree with her. You might not because she does. She's been raised in the church. She's seen the ugly, ugly, ugly side of religion and the ugly side of church. I don't care if, if you're one of those quiet back row Baptist or charismatic Pentecostal. I love you. And, and we all have to do and go where God leads us to go. And while we're there, we need to celebrate our differences and understand that you may be different than I am because God's going to use you to reach somebody like that. And God's going to use me to, to reach these people over here. We are not on a different team. Denominational pedigrees. Number one, divide the church. Number two, my way is better than your way. You don't know how many times, and I, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you, and, and there's a lot of well-meaning folks, but, you know, and me and Ty aren't going to talk bad about anybody, but you would be surprised at how many times people come up to us and tell us how to do our job better. You know what? You should really do this. That's not what God's led us to do. Well, I'm going to get mad and go somewhere else. That's when we pull a tombstone and go, well, Bye. I'm not trying to be ugly, but you know, I mean, and, and that's one of the things that, that just divides the church is when people think it's not, it has anything to do with theology. It has to do with, well, I know better than you know. Well, go start your own church then, cowboy. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't mean it crass, but I don't care. 
I mean, God has led me and Ty to do this, and we're going to try to grow, and we want y'all to grow with us because we're not done growing by any means. And it's not about us. It's about a relationship with God. My way is better than your way. You know how many churches have just been split in two because of people's opinions? Not God's word. Number three, petty quarrels. Petty quarrels. I don't like the color of carpet they put in that church. Oh, shut up. Shut up. In Jesus' name, shut up. It doesn't matter about the stained glass windows. It doesn't matter if you have stained glass windows. You know what? Just go there for God. Not these petty little, eh, 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 eh. well, I don't like the pews. Well, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that song selection. You wonder why we don't have music at Save the Cowboy? Because when we get up here and play music, I guarantee you this is what's going to happen. Half the people love it, half the people hate it, and half the people don't even know what it is. I mean, seriously. When, when mainstream, this, this contemporary music first started coming out, literally churches failed because of the stupid music. I'm sorry, and I'm not saying that music is stupid. It can have a drastic impact on our lives, but it does not need to create a division where where people are run off from God. Think about that. I mean, you have a lost person walk in and like, well, we're going to stand up in church and throw this big old quarrel out there because we want old-time hymns instead of this new age rock and roll stuff. Oh, shut up. Sit down. I mean, it's crazy. These petty quarrels, these denominational, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with denominations, but but when we use them as dividing lines instead of celebrating that these people are going to do it this way because they're going to reach a bunch of people, and these people are going to do it this way because they're going to reach a bunch of people. I mean, you know, think about that. Um, Number four, what creates dividing lines? (sighs) Poor boundaries. Poor boundaries boundaries. Look, I hope that you can, if you're, ta- if you're going to take what I'm fixing to say wrong, then, then you, you I, I don't mean it badly, okay? I've even told Ty this, not Titus, Ty this. <laughs> First and foremost, my button is unbuttoned. First and foremost, God has called me to be a pastor not your friend, okay? I, I, I would hope that we can be friendly, and, and, and I love every single one of you, but if it ever came down to it, I'm going to give you the truth of God's word, not what you want to hear. And to me, that is the greatest way that I can be your friend, okay? But I, you know, poor boundaries. A, a lot of times, people want to be buddy-buddy with the, with, the, with the pastor, and then when the pastor has to say something, they're like, well, how, who do you think you are? You know what I mean? We need to all have good, good boundaries. You want to see the truth of somebody? You want to see the revelation of somebody's true character? Watch what happens when you tell them no. Man, that, that, is, that is just, I mean, you, you, that just separates all of what people, you know, all the pretending, well, I, you know, I like to do this, I like to do that. What happens when you tell somebody no? I don't even remember what it was, but one time Jason asked if, if they could do something, and, um, and I'm not going to go into the reasons, it wasn't a bad idea, that's not what I'm saying, but I told Jason no, 
no, I, I don't really want to do that. You know what he said? Okay, what can we do? Man, that is maturity right there. Because he could have, well, you know, that could have been a, a spot where the devil came in and just tried to divide some of us that are, that are trying to do good things. But he didn't. He said, okay, what can we do otherwise? What happens when people say no? And the fifth thing that will divide the sheepfold, that will make these people go over here and, and go back to, to what they're doing and, and, and uh, living lives that, that they shouldn't be living anymore, not on that narrow road, but back into the brush. And these that are going to go over here and get lost in the draw of the world. The fifth thing that causes divisions, and this isn't an all-inclusive list. It's just some things that God wanted me to talk about. Number five is money. You know, um, there was a time when this lady brought in uh, some really, 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 really expensive perfume. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and on his head and stuff like that. And there's this fella, a disciple of Jesus, that got mad. He said, she's wasting it. We could take that and we could sell it for thousands of dollars to fund our ministry. Jesus said, what the heck are you talking about? She's trying to bless me. She knows what's important because I'm only going to be here for a little while. You know who that guy's name was? He was the treasurer. His name was Judas. He's the same guy that sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And you know how often money has come and just divided the body of Christ. Don't let it. Do not let it. So what do we do when somebody is being divisive? What happens when a situation arises in a church where something is divisive? The first thing we do, according to scripture, is we warn that person. Hey, you're being divisive in the church body. Don't go around. And, and, and I'm going to say this. Did you know that... Uh, as, as, as God has blessed Save the Cowboy, um, I, I was in a town of about 7,000 people, and I ran about 25 on Sunday. I am that same exact person, and now we nearly have a worldwide ministry with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that tune in to hear God's word. And you want to know why I think that my ministry was so unsuccessful in Texas? Because there was a guy that caused problems each and every time. He came and he sat about the middle of the pack and he went out and he talked crap about me all the time in the community. He went around to the other church people telling them exactly what he agreed with my sermon. But more importantly, the things that I got wrong about my sermon and everything. And you know what I did about it? I did absolutely nothing because I was a coward. I was an absolute coward. I made all sorts of excuses. Well, you know, if, if I say something to him, he might get mad and talk crap about me. He was already doing that. And I, I firmly believe that, that he was the block, or, or let me rephrase that, that I, because I wouldn't follow God's word, that I was holding back the truth because I let this guy just be a cancer in the ministry. Biblically speaking, what happens if somebody is being divisive, then you go up to that person and you warn them gently and in love. Hey man, can I talk to you? Here's the deal. And the second thing that you do, after you warn them, you warn them again about being divisive, okay? Now you might be saying, well, uh, what, 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 what if they continue? What if they continue to be divisive? 
In Matthew 18, 15 through 19, Jesus himself says this. If another believer, remember what I said in the beginning? If another believer, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, sins against you, that would, a sin would be being divisive. Go privately and point out their offense. If the other person listens and confesses that they sinned, then you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a corrupt tax collector. In other words, give them the boot. This is tough stuff. Once again, Paul reiterates in 2 Thessalonians, he says, take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so that they will be ashamed. That's how much God hates people that divide his sheepfold. That's why he cannot stand for, for people to be bickering over pews. That's why he can't stand people to be quarreling over curtain color or, or song selection or, well, I don't think that you should have done this with the money. You should have done that with the money. You know what? We can talk about those things, but when that becomes a dividing point, Something is wrong and it is bad, bad, wrong. Why do people, why are people divisive? Why are people devices, divisive? They're not following God. They're being controlled by sin. You know, the, the, there's, a, there's this deal. You ever heard the term false prophet? The Bible talks quite a bit about false prophets and, and, and there's, this, there's this misunderstanding that, that, that only, the, the only false prophets out there are preachers. You know, you'll, you'll never hear me stand up here and criticize another preacher, mainly because I am working so much on myself that I need to get the log out of my own eye before I worry about a speck in somebody else's, Okay. My goal here is to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Them other people can do what they want to do. And I will pray that, that, that God's truth will be revealed, no matter what. They're not following God. They're controlled by sin. You know, this is hard. I understand. I mean, I'm sitting there saying that if you're divisive, uh, somebody's going to give you a warning. Oh, I, I was talking about false prophets. Anyway, people think that it's just preachers that are false prophets. There are just as many false prophets sitting in the congregations as those preaching to them because those false prophets will come in and they will, they will divide congregations. So make no mistake about it, false prophets are not just preachers standing up preaching. There are some of them out there because the Bible says it is, but they're also sitting out there in the congregations. You know, when if you were to come out to the ranch and gather with me and Ty, whether it's our ranch or you go to somebody else's ranch, and, and if you start messing stuff up, if you start trying to do your own thing and you start, you know, running cattle all over the place, and, and you know, me or Ty is going to warn you, hey, hey, wait a minute, stay back, just, just, just stay back a little bit. And if you don't listen, he's probably going to warn you again, or I'm going to warn you again. Hey, man, you're, 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 you're messing stuff up. You're going to get yourself hurt. You're going to hurt our cattle, or you're going to hurt yourself. Man, just back up. And if you still don't listen, we're going to ask you to leave. Any ranch in the world would do the same thing. 
So we're not going to treat our churches any different because Jesus said to go out into the world and gather all men and up from all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now we're not going to go on witch hunts, but I'm not going to tolerate, Ty's not going to tolerate people being divisive against their brothers and sisters. We are all united in our, in our quest, in our goals. You know, after Jesus had taught some really uncontroversial stuff, most of his, the people that followed him, not, not, the, not the 12 disciples, but like 72 people that had been following Jesus for years. When he said something that they finally didn't agree with, they left. And in John chapter 6, verse 66, Jesus said, are you going to leave me? He said to the 12, are you going to leave me too? I promise to always speak the truth to y'all. And I know that this is one of those hard sermons. We haven't really laughed a whole lot and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that it's not important. I'm going to teach you the good things. You know, I'm going to teach you about how much God loves you and and, and how much he he wants to bless you. And and we're going to talk about a lot of things, but we're going to talk about the hard stuff too. Don't be divisive. Don't be divisive. This is a cowboy academy. We're going to teach you how to gather the lost, bring back those that have strayed away, how to bandage those that are injured, and strengthen those that are sick. That's what we're going to do. I didn't come up with all of this on my own. Because in Titus chapter 3, I said that this was a cowboy academy, how to teach for ride, how to ride for God. Because this is what Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul, says this. I didn't come up with these things on my own. Do not get involved in Titus chapter 3 verse 9. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, you give a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them for people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. Hard? You betcha it is. You betcha it is. But you know what? We're not going to have a problem here. And I hope that wherever you're listening from or wherever you're watching from, that you will not have a problem, that we will not divide the body of Christ. We will celebrate our differences. And if somebody does something different than we do, then we will hope that that they are being led by God or that if they're coming against God, God's going to do something about it. But we are going to try to unite. We are going to try to be one. We are going to try to, to go out and gather strengthen, bandage. That's our job. And you know what? Some people are going to sit at the roadside park and tell us how mean we are. Well, that preacher stood up there and said, if you say something bad, he's going to kick you out. Shut up for being decisive. Divisive. Decisive. (laughs) Uh, Both. Both. We don't want decisive people. No, not really. uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Point is, let's come together, people. You are not like me, and thank God for that. That's the first amen Ty's ever given me. It was on his birthday. I'm so proud. We are all on the same team. We're going to spread out across this pasture called the world. We've been called to be gatherers. You are part of that. You might not have known it before you got here today, but God has a plan for you. Join us. And I'm not talking about Save the Cowboy. I'm talking about Christianity as a whole. We need to stand up for what we believe in. 
We need to stand up and be men and women of action in this gathering. We need to go out there and make a difference. Let's go to God in prayer. Dad, it is an honor to come before you today. We ask that you protect those that you have brought into your care and strengthen those of us that you have chose to protect them through. God, our only goal here is to speak the truth that you have given us through your son and that those who are dying will be given abundant life by giving their life to Jesus Christ. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.